Well, I've got a couple of messages in one this morning. People are like, I don't know if I like that or not. But, you know, I believe that we just have been exhorting you this morning. I want to just exhort you a little bit more. Hallelujah. Turn over to the book of Nehemiah. Now, that may be where your pages are stuck together a little bit. If you find Job, Psalms, Proverbs, go back from, from there. Right before Esther. The book of Nehemiah. But I believe as, as the river church that God wants us to move forward. And actually that phrase came up a couple times this week. Forward in faith. Forward. Say, everyone say Forward. See, faith always progresses forward. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says that we are not of those that draw back, but of those that believe to the saving of the soul. So, see, faith goes forward. Um, fear draws back. See, fear will always hold you back from the plan of God. But we're moving forward. The Bible tells us in Nehemiah 3. See if I got the right one here. Oh, it's 6 verse 3. Sorry, I wrote 3 verse 6. So <laughs> 6 verse 3. <clears throat> He says, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work. Now, just to give you a little backdrop, this is when, when uh, Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall at Jerusalem. And the, here he says, because these people come to him, um, in verse 1, let me read. He says, now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. You have to watch out for Ono. <laughs> but they thought to do me mischief. You know, it wasn't because they wanted to bless him and help him. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work. See, we're doing a great work here at the River Church. We're doing a great work. This is the most important thing. See, I know that, that God will take care of us and he'll fund us because we're doing the most important thing in the world. You know, Barnum and Bailey and the different ones, they talk about the greatest show on earth. This is the greatest thing going on right here is the building of the church. So he tells him, he says, I'm, a, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? <laughs> and so we're involved in a great work in building the kingdom of God, something that is eternal. Amen. It's something that we're going to have eternal fruit for eternity. And so the move of God is always moving forward. So we always, it's just like riding a wave. Now, I've never ridden a wave on the ocean, so I, I'm sorry. I can't give you that analogy except just by watching. And uh, I do like standing in the, in the ocean, but that's about it. You know, no, you know, I don't even get on the parasailing and let them dip me in the water and pull me with a boat. But, um, but, you know, it's just like when you ride a wave, you see these surfers. They're waiting for the next wave. You keep riding that thing far enough, you're going to go on, on the shore. You're going to go on, on ground, you know. And so following the move of God is like that. You, you ride that wave in, you take another wave, you keep going until, until you're done, you know. And, and so it's the things that God is like that. God's always moving us forward, but we always have to stay with him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So if you go back in Nehemiah, so here he's building the wall. 
And he asks for the king letters and he, he wants to go and, and um, in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8 says this, And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which pertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And so we keep seeing these, this happen and as he's building of this. If you skip down to verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. As also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn. You know don't think that people are just going to encourage you in your faith endeavor. You know, watch out for telling Joseph's brothers about what God's going to do. And it said that they laughed us to scorn and despised us and say, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Reminds me of what, what Peter told that one guy. He said, you have no lot nor part in this matter, for your heart's not right in the sight of God. So these people, he was like, hey, it's none of your business. <laughs> and so we see that they begin to, to build the wall. They begin to build this great work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so, in chapter 4, I want you to just see how the enemy works. And how the enemy, all he wants to do is just discourage you from, he wants you to say, you know, it's just like this. One of the great enemies in our life is procrastination. What does procrastination say? Procrastination never says, I'm not going to do it. But just what? Not now. Are you going to do that? Yeah, we're going to do that. When? Um, I don't know. Later. Another time. You know, they used to have that song, another time, another place. It's not going to be another time, another place. It's going to be now. And so look what happened, though, when we see these, these guys coming against them chapter 4, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, even if even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall break even down their stone wall. So what's he saying? Even a, a, a fox, when they build this great wall, a fox would walk up on it and, and it would crumble. So he's mocking them. Hear our, our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together in the half thereof. For the people, now get this, for the people had a mind to work. Hallelujah. So that's what it's going to take in the body of Christ in these last days, that we all have a mind to work. I can't do your... Um, portion and you can't do mine so we all have our own little portion to do that we are graced and anointed to do and as we all do that we have a mind to work but what does the enemy do he comes to splinter and usually it's over doctrine now doctrine is very important but you know people they 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 get all these splinter groups based on doctrine well you know that's not the right way to baptize that's not the right way to this and so people just come in and they divide the body. Motivated by the enemy. 
And so he says, it came to pass in verse 7 that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, that they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. You know, many times that's the only thing that the enemy can do is hinder. Ultimately, if you don't quit and you obey the Lord, he has no place. But even Paul said, he said, I was determined to come unto you, but Satan hindered us. You know, a lot of people had written back and said, Paul, don't be making those bad confessions. But Paul was just saying what was happening. He said, Satan has hindered us. But that never stopped them from, from going on. You know, the Bible also tells us, the Apostle Paul says, there's a great door and effectual open unto us. He was talking about going to Ephesus, and what did he say? There is a great door that's open unto us, an effectual door. But then he went on to say this, and there are many adversaries. You know, sometimes you wish he wouldn't have said that about the adversaries. But, you know, it's, it's like the, the children of Israel. Go and take the promised land. He never said anything about giants being there. I mean, he just left that part out. You know, hey, there's going to be some giants waiting there. There's some big boys, and they're, they're like eight feet tall, 650 pounds. But don't worry. He never even told them. Just like when Jesus said, hey, we're going to the other side. Lord, you never told us there was going to be a storm. He didn't have to. He expected them to deal with the situation. Lord, don't you even care that we perished, they said. So here he says, in verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. <clears throat> and we, as we keep reading, we, we see that they keep building. Um, and then chapter 6, verse 3, we, we saw this. He says, I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Look in um, Nehemiah 6, verse 12. Now we see that the enemy even sends these prophets, sends these people down to come against the work. Verse 12, And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Can you imagine? They paid him to, to lie. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these their works. You know, that's not a prayer you want to be on the recipient end of. Do you remember what Paul said? He said, Lord, he said, Alexander the coppersmith had done me much evil. I mean, he called him by name. He said, reward him according to his works. That's not a prayer you want. Lord, remember them. <laughs> not in a good way. <clears throat> so he says, Think you thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, in 50 and 2 days. So this whole project, they, in 52 days, they, they rebuilt the wall. Why? Because they all had a mind to work. They were not distracted. They didn't come down. They didn't stop the work. Hallelujah. And so that's what it's going to take in this day and hour, that we come as, that's why the Bible says, uh, you know, the Bible said in, in Acts 2, they were all in one place with one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. They were all filled with, there was cloven tongues of fire. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. But it said they were in one accord. You know, the Bible talks about in Acts chapter 4, it said that when the church came together, that there was, there was persecution going on. It said that they came back to their own company. Who, who would say you have your own company? If you're in this church, then you have a company. A company of believers that you know you can go to. You know, there's a lot of people that I 
can fellowship with and can call them brother, but they're not my own company. They don't, they don't hold the same belief I do according to the word of God. They're not my company. So you have to have your own company. Why? Because when things go bad, when, when, when things are not right, there's someone I can call. Amen. Who are you going to call? It's not going to be Ghostbusters, even though you can deal with demons. But when you, when you have to call somebody and say, hey, I mean, you can, just, you, can, you can call somebody and say, hey, just, John, just tell me how blessed I am. Yeah, you're, you're blessed, you're highly favored, you're, you know, someone that knows. You know, they know you're going through a trial. Just tell me how healed I am right now. You know, I, I know it, but just tell me. Oh, you're, you're, you're healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Jesus took all your infirmities. You know, someone that you can talk to. And so what happened is the Bible says they went unto their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And began, began their prayer and said this, Lord, you are God who's made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is within and then they get to the one part that says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now, that's all they said about the enemy. A lot of people, they say, just like Pastor Ryan said, a lot of people's testimony is all the, the, the hell that they went through, and then they end their testimony with, I got born again. But your testimony actually begins with Jesus. It doesn't end with Jesus. Like, well, you know, the devil beat me up, but thank God I got saved. no. <laughs> The devil did this, but I got saved, and this is, this, this is happening in my life. Amen. And that testimony is always building. Every day. And so they built this in 52 days, and it came to pass, in verse 16, that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. See, that's what the thing should happen. People should say, it's got to be God. It's got to be God that, that in Dickinson, North Dakota, something happened of this magnitude. Not that we can pat ourselves on the back. Not that we can say, you know, look what we did. But look what the Lord did. You know, I believe that God has done much in this church with very little. With little. But see, little becomes much when you put it in the master's hand. Hallelujah. But this is just the beginning. Amen. So what's, what are we going to do? We're going to build the kingdom of God. Thank God for this, this place. Thank God that we're going to use it not just for, you know, once a week for just a little little, you know, happy clap time. But this is a place of strategy. It's a place where things happen. It's a place where, where the needs of the people are met. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's my introduction. And um, <laughs> I, I, I really felt this in my spirit, though, this morning. I want to give you this seven things that I have in Christ. And I believe it will tie together with this. But seven things that I have in Christ. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And let me say this because the Bible says this in Mark 11, chapter 20, 11, uh, verse 23. It says this, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be thou cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, he, that they shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. When you stand praying, forgive, if you have all against any, that your heavenly Father may forgive you. But he says, say unto the mountain, be removed, be cast to the sea. Don't doubt, don't differ what's in your heart. But let your, your heart and your words agree. If you believe those things, they're going to come to pass. You're going to have the very words that you say. So we say it sometimes like this. Whosoever shall have whatsoever. Whosoever shall say, he shall have whatsoever he says. So 
Say this, I'm a whosoever, and I'm going to have whatsoever I say. But here's the problem. A, a lot of times people, they concentrate on the whatsoever, but they don't know whosoever they are. That's why when we sing that song, I know who I am. I am who you say I am. So it's important that you, see, if you believe that, well, I'm just a, a worm of the dust, then if you believe that you are not what God says you are, then you'll never go take the mountain. Why? Because you'll, you'll be crying in the tents. You'll be crying and saying, oh God, that we would have been back in Egypt. But I wanted to give, give you this to fortify your faith. Seven things I have in Christ. Number one, I'm a new creation. Amen. I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my most favorite verses, says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Other translations say this, a new species that never before existed. Just like we heard this last week, there's two classes of people in the, the world, Christian and human. A Christian and a human. Well, wow, because the, 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 the born-again man is a new species. And so he says he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. What is that? That's that sin nature that you used to have. That's why I cannot identify myself as a sinner saved by grace. Well, brother, you know, and you, I guarantee you'll hear that in many pulpits across today in this land. Across the world, you'll hear, well, you know, we're just sinners saved by grace. Well, I was a sinner, but now I've been saved by grace. Now I'm called a saint. Amen. So the Bible also tells us in Ezekiel chapter 36, in verse 25, he, here Ezekiel is prophesying about the new birth and says this, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And, they, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And then, um, let's see, skip down to... Uh, Verse 33 says, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the way shall be built. So he's prophesying and says, I'm going to put a new spirit within you. A new spirit. He talks about taking out the stony heart, putting in a heart of flesh. So he's talking about the new creation man in Christ Jesus. Amen. Who's glad to say that I'm a new creature today? I'm not the same old creature I used to be. Amen. I heard a minister say one time when he was, after he got um, born again and the Lord raised him up and he went back to school and he said that they were in a place and this, this young lady said, um, let's dance. He says, I don't dance. What? Why? Because I'm a new creature. A new what? He said he started to witness to her. I'm a new creature. And, 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 the, and the friend said he could tell what was happening, so he got, him out, got her out of there you know, real quick and stuff. But he said, everywhere I went, I said, I'm a new creature. Amen. And that's, the more you confess that, the more it gets real. See, that's the thing that people don't understand about confession. Whatever you say, you build that on the inside of you. So when you say, you know, I'm just, I'm having a bad day. I'm having this. I'm having, what happens is that's what you, you get, in your, your faith is getting built in that area. Well, you know, things are just going bad. It's Monday. And then they go to work, Monday, Monday. And they just sing that. <clears throat> and so people expect it. Or they sing uh, easy as Sunday morning and they stay at home. 
But, but whatever you put your faith in, whatever you confess, so if you begin to confess, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. I don't have that old sin nature. I, I'm righteous now by the blood of Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And all things are of God. Talking about the new creation. All things are of God in this new creation who has reconciled us to himself. And then what? He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We can tell other people, you can be free, you can be born again as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So I'm not the same person. I'm saved by grace, and now I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So number two, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I have because I'm in Christ. Amen. Stay in Christ. You look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of him. Amen. In the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus actually, the Bible tells us Jesus lived without sin. So Jesus was not a sinner, but he became sin. Why? Because the Bible says that he had put on him the iniquity of, of us all. And so because he had that put and placed on him, that's why we say he took my place. It was the great, uh, the great exchange. That, that when we say it's vicarious, you know, he took my place. It was substitutionary. That's why it makes no sense for when people say, well, I'm just bearing this for the Lord. Talking about sickness. Well, you know, this is my cross in life. Well, it's not a cross that the Lord gave you. Why? Because Jesus took it. Why should I take it as well? Jesus paid for it. Be like me, okay, taking my boys to Pizza Ranch, and they say, well, you know, Dad, I know you just paid for that, but I want to pay for it too. You know, let me, let me just pay for it. No, I, I already took that for you. I already took care of that for you. Be like if someone blessed you at the restaurant and they said, hey, come on, sit down. You know, we already paid for you. Yeah, okay, but I'm going to pay for it again anyway. Well, then they're going to come back and say, uh, can I get my money back? You know, I already paid for them, but they paid for it. But see, that's substitutionary. So he says, Jesus was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you today that when you become righteous, see, people think it's a place that you attain to. Have you ever heard people say, well, you know, I'm just trying to be righteous. But the Bible says that you, when you were born again, you were made righteous. I was made righteous. What does that mean? I was made in right standing with him. Now, that's an old English word we don't use. So what is the word righteous? It means this, upright. You could just say it like this, right with God. I'm right with him. Things are good with me and the Father. You could also say it like this, it's a good position with God. And see, that's the thing we have to realize is righteousness is not a thing. When we talk about healing is a thing. Direction is a thing. But righteousness is not a thing, it's a position. You know, someone, someone asked this lady in a, in a meeting, said, hey, um, are you righteous? She said, well, I'm, I'm trying to be. Asked this man, are you, I'm trying to be. So the minister stopped and said, let me ask you a question. He said, I'm not trying to be vulgar, is what, what he said. He said, but are you a man or a woman? He said, well, a man. He said, how did you get that way? Now, see, it might be a different answer in the day we live today. But he said, he said, I was born that way. He said, that's how you become righteous. You become righteous at the new birth. And so what does that mean? I'm right with the Lord. Everything is, I'm washed, I'm cleansed. That's what I have in Christ. I'm a new creature. I'm made right with him. But I love this um, definition as well. The ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt, without a sense of inferiority, as if sin never existed. Who's ever had condemnation like a, follow you like a, a puppy dog? 
But see, that's broken when you understand that the blood has cleansed me. Amen. And so now, you know, I can stand up with my head lifted up. I can pray with boldness. I can, I can, I can minister the word of God. I'm talking to every person here. You can minister the word. You can share. You can lead people to the Lord. You can, you can pray with authority. You, you, can, you can say, devil, come out. Be gone in Jesus' name. Why? Because the authority we have in the name of Jesus in Christ Jesus. So that's what righteousness does. Amen. Hallelujah. Say this. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. See, I don't have to work up to that place. And let me say it like this too. You can never grow in righteousness. You're, you'll never be in a better place with God in the sense of you trying to get to some place when you're in heaven than you are now. Why? Because the same blood that, that allows you to get in heaven is the same blood that gives you access now. You can grow in your knowledge of righteousness and what it can do, though. But you can't grow in the, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll, I'll really be in a good place with the Lord. Well, yes, in a way, in the sense that we won't have the curse around us anymore. We won't have sin but no, I can, I can fellowship with God just the same now. Hallelujah. Some of you get that on the way home. <clears throat> Number three, that I have things that I have in Christ. Number three, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Romans 8, verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In fact, when the devil tells you you're, you're this, you just say like the King James, nay, nay. In all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. <clears throat> he says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? That means I'm seated at the table. And even, even when the enemies come, I'm still going to eat the heavenly bread. I'm still going to have the drink, the heavenly wine. Hallelujah. He said, don't be drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's he saying? Be, be drunk on the Spirit of God. Speaking to yourselves. So I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Number four, I'm greater one indwelt. Say it like this, the greater one lives within me. That's, that's another way to say it. The greater one. Someone might say, who is the greater one? First John chapter four. First John four Verse 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. You know, if someone just says, you know, just, if you ever have somebody say, well, you know, just trust me, I'm a, I'm a brother. I don't just trust anybody just because they have a fish on their uh, back of their uh, car. Somebody said, said it could be a shark, you know. You, you think it's just a, a, a something... You know, I, I, don't, I don't just trust anybody just because they, something sounds good. You try it out. Try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Notice he, he links those trying the spirits with false prophets. Of course, you know, some people, to them, everything is a false prophet. It's like somebody talking about Billy Graham. Well, you know, he was a false prophet. He, he never was a prophet. He was an evangelist. So he never even was a prophet. But to some people, everyone's a false prophet. Anyone given correction, well, they're a false prophet. Anyone that, that tells the, the full counsel of the word, well, they're a false prophet. <laughs> but there are false prophets, he says. <clears throat> and he says, hereby know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 
And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children. You know, that's something that I've always stood on. That's my genealogy. My family tree is this. I am of God. Well, because of the new creation, man, that's what, he, that's what he is. I'm of God. There's no, and God doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have great grandkids. He just has kids. Say that, I'm of God. So he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, what's he talking about? He's, the them he's talking about is in those first three verses. Those evil spirits that have gone into the world. <clears throat> All those evil spirits. He says, you have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Some, I, I can't tell you the times I just stand up and say, greater is he. He's greater than sickness. He's greater than habits. He's greater than disease. He's greater than poverty. He's greater than the hatred that's in other people. Why? He's greater. So what's he saying? Who's the greater one? The Holy Spirit. Who is the one that's in the world? That's the devil. The one that's working in, 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 in the world system. So I'm greater one and dwelt. Smith Wigglesworth used to say this. He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Now, to your natural mind, that doesn't make sense. Okay, if, I'm the, if I was a thousand times bigger on the inside, I would explode, you know. But no, on the inside, that's what he's talking about. In his spirit, man, he, he's greater. He's greater on the inside. And so the more you confess that and acknowledge that, the more you'll put him to work in your life. Holy Spirit... And, you know, start your day that way. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Uh, guide my steps. Arrange my steps. And, you know, I've learned and I'm learning more and more. It's better to start your day that way than halfway through the day when things aren't going right. And you say, Lord, can you please arrange my steps the rest of the day? Now, that's good too, but just start your day. Lord, arrange my steps. Lead me and guide me. Lead me in the way that I should go and in the correct path. And then just begin to follow what he gives you on the inside. Hallelujah. So number five. Seven things I have in Christ. Number five is this. I'm healed of the Lord. This is part of our redemption. See, a lot of people think, well, you know, yeah, we're saved and, and that's, that's, we're going to heaven. But that's all he ever did for us. But why did he take the beatings on his back? Do you know that the beatings on your back were not for yourself, not for your being saved from sin? That's what the cross was, but that was the whipping post. Why? Because that's what Isaiah 53, 4, 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's what that was for. And in case people, um, you know, the Bible says he, he took our infirmities and carried our pains. And when people read that, the, the King James Version, it uses different words. And the same words all throughout the, uh, the Bible were translated sickness and pains. But people, you know, they, they got weak need about it and they translated it another way. And, um, but anyway... If you're in doubt, just read Matthew 8, 17, because Matthew 8, 17, he says what the Holy Spirit says, himself took our infirmities. And what he was doing was, how many know the Holy Spirit knew what, what Isaiah said? <laughs> he said, and that's what uh, Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So what is the Holy Spirit saying that Isaiah said? Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. So I can expect that if he took it, then, then, and once again, we can't just say, well, Lord, you took it, and so thank God I'm healed. Well, we can, but you have to actually take it. And, and even the violent take it by force, you have to grab a hold of it. Why? Because the devil wants to hold on 
and you hold on to sickness instead of healing. So you had to be aggressive in your faith. Amen. You know, one thing that I've learned in life, and you see it all through the, the Bible, if you want to live and not die, if you want to receive from God, and I'm, I'm talking about just living in a, in a good place instead of a half-decent place in life. What I'm talking about, well, you know, I can just put up with that. I can have that. But no, believe for the whole, the whole enchilada. Have everything that God says. Amen. In order to do that, you have to be a fighter. You have to fight for your right to have the blessings. And you know, you're not taking that from God. It's the enemy that's trying to steal it. But then 1 Peter 2.24 says this, Who his own self bear our sins on the body, his own body on the tree. So that's where he, he took our sins, was on the tree. That we being dead to sin shall live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Now, if you read in the Hebrew, that word actually is the word bruise. He was bruised for iniquities. If you can imagine 39 stripes on the back, you start hitting 39, you're not going to hit exactly in the same place. That's going to make one big bruise. So the Hebrew actually says, by his bruise, we are healed. Thank God that Jesus took my infirmities. I'm not going to try to take it back. You know, I've mentioned this before, but you'll see people in other countries. I know I've seen this like in the Philippines. People will get up and hang on a cross. I'm talking about blood and everything. I'm not talking about they just, you know, strap your hands up there. Why? Because they're going to pay for their sins. Why in the world would you try to pay for your sins? Jesus already took my, my sins. Amen. So, so I'm not going to say, well, Lord... You, you did that, but, you know, I just feel so bad for my sins. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to get up on the cross. No. I'm going to say, Lord, I, I thank you right now that you took it. And, and Lord, I just received forgiveness right now. Lord, I thank you that, that, that you took my uh, sicknesses just the same. So I thank you that I'm healed by your stripes. Hallelujah. And going number six, I'm blessed of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you took my poverty. See, this is where a lot of people, though, they, they have a, a, a mental hiccup. And so what happens is they just, they stop right there and then they say, well, but no, I just believe that, that you're just trying to teach me something. I believe that, Lord, I'm going to grow in humility. You know how you grow in humility? You humble yourself. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how the devil just, you know, we're just going to live in these straightened circumstances and we're just going to, um, that's why all throughout history you see the church and mainly from the Catholic church through history, they would begin to take a vow of poverty. That's not in the Bible. Amen. And while I'm standing on those toes, I'll go and say another one. The Bible actually calls it a doctrine of demons, forbidding to marry. There's never a place in there that says, because I'm in the ministry, that I have to be celibate, that I have to be unmarried. Amen. I believe it helps you immensely to be married. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because we're a team together. So I am blessed of the Lord. That's part of my redemption. And so... If you ask the, the general church member, do you believe that Jesus took your sins? Yes. That's redemption. Do you believe that, that he took your sicknesses? That's where some people, they say, well, maybe, if it's his will. Well, how are we going to know if it's his will? But see, healing is part of redemption as well. So even if you get people to say that, if you say this, did Jesus take my poverty? People will be adamant to say no. But what scripture do they have to say that? Here's the scripture that in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 
And verse nine says, for you know the grace. How many remember the Bible says, for you are saved by grace through faith. So grace is what saves us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be poor as well. Because you know, you really can't serve God with having money. See, that's part of those unwritten verses. The first book of imaginations. And so he says here, for your sakes he became poor. So say this, he became poor for me. Now I want you to be bold and to say the rest of the verse. That I, through his poverty, might be rich. Now don't be, get, get taken away with that word rich. It means an abundant supply. Your needs are met. Everything you have is taken care of and you're able to help other people. Some people would just be glad to have their needs met. But see, that's what um, Paul actually says. He says that you having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So what does that mean? All of Will's needs are met. He has an abundant supply and then he's helping other people. He's helping pay rent to, for other people, blessing them with, with something else. That's what actual abundance is. Some people might say, well, you know, I would think $2 million is, is uh, being rich. Not if you need three. So it's not, it's not just the amount. Amen. Some people can be, one minister was, was praying and he said, this guy was standing there. He had a three-piece suit, looked like he was, you know, a model. And he said, God's going to give you a breakthrough. And didn't know that the guy was about to go under. He needed like $10 million. And he said that God's going to do a miracle for you. He didn't know that. So it's all relative. Amen. But understand it's because of our redemption that Jesus took our sicknesses. He also took our poverty as well. And you know, here's the thing you have to understand. Poverty is a killer. How many people will die because they didn't have a, a good meal? You know, sickness is a killer too. You get enough of it, what, what happened? It'll take your life as well. And then number seven, this is the uh, finale here. You'll like this one. I have the great hope of the church and expectation of his return. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. What's the blessed hope of the church? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I know in, in, even in Christian churches, people quit talking about it or they even preach against it. But let me tell you what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You know, there's two sources of the truth. Well, actually, only one source of truth or one's facts, but there's only, we'll give it, say it like this. There's two sources of information. What God said and then what everyone else says. So once you establish that in your, your life, then everything else has to fall in line. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. He says this, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. See, one of the things that we see in this book is people, some people had thought Jesus had already come back. And you also, that's why we see that some people, they, they weren't busy. They were not occupying until they came. 
So they, that's why they said, hey, man, Jesus come back. I'm not going to school. I'm not going to work either, you know. And so that's why he had, had to address it in there and say, um, he said, you know what? If you don't work, you don't eat. So he had to address some different things. But here he says, he says, by the word of the Lord. See, this is the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain, we shall not prevent, we shall not stop those who've already gone before us. Why? Because the Bible says that they are going to rise first. And I think it would always be, it would be nice to be on 10th Avenue East over here and, and by those two cemeteries. I don't know how the Lord's going to do it. I don't know if the, the grave, you know, because the Bible says that the graves were opened when Jesus rose from the dead. Hey, guess who I saw today? Who? I saw Moses. No, no. You, I saw Abraham. No, there's no way. Yeah, you know, I saw him down there at the shop. Why? Because all these Old Testament saints, their bodies rose up. And so it'd be interesting to be around. I don't know what's going to happen if, if the casket's going to be, or, you know, if God can raise and put a body together, he could pull it out of the casket, you know. So he can do it any way he wants to, but I think it would be a great sign in, in, to the world. You know why? Because the, actually the Bible says he's, Jesus is coming in the clouds. He's going to stop there. The second time he comes back at the end of the tribulation, he's going to touch down the Mount of Olives, split the, the mountain there and all that. So, but he's going to come to the, to the sky. And we're going to, we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with the Lord. Amen. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Hallelujah. And I don't know why people fear that or they, they think, you know, once that time comes, my, my work on earth is done. Whether I did it all or not. But trust me, you'll be happy though when that moment comes. Well, you know, I just, I wish I would have stayed around for a little bit longer. You know, I just, I had some other things. I wanted to take that last vacation. I wanted to go to that last place on earth. You, you know, you'll kick the bucket over. You'll kick the bucket list over. You won't even worry about it not being done. Can you say amen? amen? So he tells us to comfort one another with these words. Why? Because we're going to be caught up together and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that's, that's the, the culmination of my, what I have in Christ. That, that when he comes back, that I'm going to ever be with him. Amen. But right now in this time, we have a work to do. We have a work to accomplish. <clears throat> Can you say amen? amen? And the work is great. But with every person, we'll get it done. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed right before we go this morning. Hallelujah. We just want to give you an opportunity. If you're in this place and you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, even as you've been talking this morning about um, the new creation, man, and being right with God. I, I don't know for sure, <clears throat> but I want to make sure that I'm right with God. Or secondly, if you're in this place and you say, you know, I once walked with the Lord, but I went away from him, but I want to come back to that place. Friend, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once you acknowledge the Lord forgives, he forgets. And it can be even better than it was before. Or thirdly, if you're in this place and you just don't know. You don't have that assurance. But you want to make sure. With no one looking around, if that's you, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to know for sure. I want to come back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. So I believe everyone's ready and, and red hot today. Let me say this, you know, especially after you come out of a week of meetings. Living in, 
in, in the fire of God, the presence of God in revival is the only way to live. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you're not a normal person. You know, you can still wash dishes and still be in the fire of God. You can, you can be normal and, and not just scare everyone. But the Bible tells us to be fervent in spirit. It's the only way for believers to live. Red hot to the boiling point. Amen. And so don't ever let that fire. We're going to do all we can as the church. We're going to do all we can to stir you up. Amen. And we're, I mean, we're going to have other ministers come in. As you know, we're very selective with, with, with who we have coming in. But, you know, it's our desire to put uh, several other things. We're going to put other things together this year. We'd love to have Pastor Ryan come back every year as far as I'm concerned. And so, um, and others as well. But we're going to stir you up. But also, it's like this. You can cook your own meal at home, can't you? Amen. You can cook your own meal. You can cook your own eggs and, and bacon and biscuits and some white gravy. and Same thing with the Word. You can cook up your own spiritual meal at home. You know, you don't have to wait, man, I've been starving spiritually and i got to get to church. What have you been doing during the week? <laughs> Start feeding yourself. And who, who noticed this this week? As you begin to get into the Word, you got a hunger for the Word. More and more of a hunger. Even myself, as I'm re just reading and reading and, and even reading my chapter, and I have a confession, you know, it's like, I look and I'm like, man, it's just, you get busy and you're five chapters behind. So then I'll read five or ten chapters. And, uh, and you know, we're going into, what, Leviticus now. And so, but you get a hunger for, for the things of God. When you, when you pray in the Holy Ghost more, you get more of a hunger. And you just, man, I've got to have more. The presence of God. So you, you can do this at home. You know, you can stir yourself at home. You can lay hands on yourself at home. <laughs> Amen. You know, you can have your friend, hey, lay hands on me and, and, you know, watch who lays hands on you, but amen. Paul said, lay hands suddenly on no man. There's some hands I don't want to lay on my head. Amen. Hallelujah. But just stir yourself up. Kindle the flame. Fan the flame. Just like if you have a fireplace and you, we used to have a wood burning stove and you'd prod that thing. And you, say, you think, man, it's just nothing but ashes in there. So you prod it, you say, oh, there's a little bit, and then you get all the rest of those ashes out of there. He removes the, the ashes out of our life, and what happens is we, we keep that fire burning. Amen. Keep the fire burning in my heart. Don't let it go out. Amen. So then what happens is you keep that fire, you keep that fire, everyone keeps that fire burning, then when we come in, I mean, the first note, I mean, everyone's ready. They're just like, man, I, I'm, I'm primed and going. There's always people coming in from the outside and, and people that, you know, they need to be defibrillated, you know, and just get them going again. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why you just, you stay full all through the week. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet this morning. You know, even though we went a little bit longer today, that's still shorter than any service this week. So um, don't think people will say, boy, if Pastor Will went to 1230, it would be, that'd still be fine with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for everyone of my brothers and sisters in here. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for anointing them this week for blessing them this week. Father, we just speak the, the blessing of heaven upon them. Lord, that no sickness and disease can attach itself to them. Lord, it's our covenant right that we be free from sickness. We be free from pain. We be free from infirmity. And Father, we just speak the blessing of the Lord. Father, I thank you for raises. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, vehicles, new vehicles, everything that, that people need. Lord, we won't be bashful to ask. And we just thank you for it. We thank you for direction this week. 
Thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom this week. Lord, that we'll walk the way we should and, and where you tell us to go. And Father, we know that's the key is to walk in your wisdom. And Father, we just thank you. Your angels go with us today. Lord, to protect us, to watch over us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.